this is Sebastian from Baroness, and you're listening to Sonic Perspectives. Welcome to another interview for Sonic Perspectives. I'm talking today to the drummer of one of the most intriguing bands in the alternative music scene these days, Mr. Sebastian Thompson of Baroness. Hey Rodrigo, how you doing? Good man, good. It's great to have you here with us today. <laughs> yeah. First of all, congratulations on the new uh, Baroness album, Golden Grey. And as a fan, I should say thank you for it. Uh, this one instantly turned out to be my favorite Baroness album. Amazing. That's great to hear, man. You know, because when, you know, When we made it, we thought, hey, this is, might be a little bit strange for old-school Baroness fans, but I think people are into it, so that's always good to hear. Yeah, well, it's very melodic, a lot more so than the previous ones, I think, at least in my perspective, that's anyway. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, let me start by asking you, I've seen the band being referred to as a metal band uh, a, a, in a bunch of places, a bunch of websites. Are you, okay yeah. with, are you okay with being labeled metal? Because in my opinion, that's a huge simplification. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's more complicated than that. I think that Baroness is an ex-metal band, not even post-metal, because post-metal is an actual genre. Yeah. We just used to be a metal, we used to be a metal band. And I mean, this is maybe from, from a drummer's perspective, but if you're not playing double kick drum, is it really metal? Right on, right on, I agree. Yeah. That's, 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 that's one way to put it, you know, I mean, It's we are we are a, a rock band that definitely takes elements from metal, but I wouldn't say we're a metal band. No. Yeah. Well, that's not to say, of course, that you don't have your metal moments. Uh, one, the new song sure. "Seasons," for example, the drumming is pure metal, blast beats and everything, right? Yeah, there's there's some blast beats going on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, it's, it's, I mean, the, the intro drumming is the, for the first verse sounds kind of more like a Stuart Copeland kind of thing, honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of all it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite ones in this release is "I'm Already Gone," which has a very cool beat. Uh, what came first on that song—the melodies, the lyrics, or that beat? That actually, what what came first was a guitar part that Nick had written, which got really totally, totally reworked almost to a point of being a new guitar part. But that song kind of went in circles. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean that beat—I I came up with it sort of. In, independently, you know, I, I I actually came up with it because it's it was kind of difficult for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I want to be I want to play something that's a little more linear or abstract, and you know, and so that's that's why I, I came up with it, and and then I, I made a little recording at home in my home studio, and I sent a file to everybody, and then we just slid it in there, and then you know, of course, we recorded everything in the studio, but right. But yeah, that, that that one that one was put together piece by piece. Okay, and on a side note, uh, uh, you joined the, the band for the Yellow and Green tour back in 2013. Were you a fan before you joined, and what drove you to audition for the band to choose this band? Yeah, I was a fan because uh, my brother saw them playing with opening for Meshuggah, and we were old school Meshuggah fans. Okay, like, you need to check out this. You need to check out this band, and. Uh, But I didn't, I, I was a fan, but I wasn't really, I mean, I knew about the accident, but I didn't, I wasn't like sort of keeping up with, mm -hmm. uh, with the, you know, the day-to-day -day events 
And then uh, what happened was that a, a mutual friend of ours put John Paisley and myself in touch, and then we started talking and, you know, started, you know, learning songs and rehearsing and whatever, and it wasn't ever really like an official audition. But okay. It, I, I, I guess it was, but it never, I mean, it was always very friendly and casual. I see. In the beginning. Yeah, and you just mentioned the ad, the accident that happened. Uh, it left an indelible mark on this band. Is this still talked about by John, the crew, and others around the band, or not really? Not much. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that John, I mean, at this point on the on the bus, I think, yeah, John's the only one that was on the bus during that crash now. I think right. Everybody, you know, Pete left, you know, he wanted to do work on his business, mm -hmm. and Alan and Matt were kind of... Uh, Uh, a little bit more messed up physically, you know. I mean, Alan's back kind of hurts. He can't he can really tour and play drums anymore. Right. And and the crew. I mean, that was that was a uh, European crew. This is one America now. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's really. Yeah, I think Johnson. Yeah, he's the he's the he's the last one here. He doesn't really doesn't really talk about it much, honestly. I see. And one thing that always caught my attention is how many fans are drawn to the riffs or to John's voice but for me it's always about the groove songs like Chlorine and Wine for example yeah Little Things I want to hear <laughs> my man yeah <laughs> man I'm always attracted to the groove in those songs I don't know why but it's it's, it's what stands out to me yeah and what were you, 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 you know what's funny I'll tell you a funny story uh. we played live on this tour everybody's always screaming like Gina and John we love you and then like Every tenth scream will be rhythm section. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. It's totally a hilarious thing. To yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, what were some of your influences as a drummer? You mentioned Stuart Copeland right before, but uh... Stuart Copeland is a huge influence yeah. on me. I mean, it's a little bit. I don't really play like him. Mm -hmm. He's a very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a unique player. You know, uh, it, it sounds simple, then you try playing along to it, and you're like, "What the hell is he doing?" He's not yeah. even playing the kick drum on the one half the time. Yeah, and he's playing he, it somewhere else, you know. And he raises his hand too. He's raised his arm way too high when when he's beating those drums, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he hits so hard. That's that's one thing that people forget when they try to learn his parts. He's totally wailing on those drums. Yeah. But what I love about him, I mean, I love a lot of specific technical things about him. I love the fact that he normally a rock drummer will improvise between the kick and the snare. Mm -hmm. But he improvises between the kick and the ride, you know, and the snare just stays at the, the backbeat. Right. Very cool. Yeah. But uh, but well, just more in general, where what I appreciate about him is that he he's so particular sounding, and he he really thinks about what he's playing and why he's playing it, and it's and he's instantly recognizable. And it's the same thing goes for John Bonham. You know, it's like he it's like not only was he a great drummer, but he wrote great drum parts, and that's what I really yeah. appreciate. You know. Yeah. For example, Ian Pace from Deep Purple is technically a better drummer than, than John Bonham, but he just didn't write as cool. Yeah. Parts. They're just not, the, the, the composition side of it just isn't as good, you know? Yeah, I agree, I agree. And going back to Golden Grey, the album is very long, and yet it wasn't split in two like Yellow and Green. Was there a particular reason yeah. for that, or? Well, because it's not really a double album, you know? Mm. And it, we just... I think since 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 vinyl has stopped being the main medium for music, we've we've kind of uh, sort of 
music in general, we've gone away from the idea that music has to be sold in units of 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what it was. It was either, yeah. whatever, you know, 42 minutes or 90 minutes. Those are your two choices, right? Yeah. And then when CDs and then files and whatever, and then now that vinyl is back, but vinyl is back is really a, like a special specialist thing. Mm -hmm. So, so a lot of the people that buy vinyl are collectors. So for them, it's cool to have a side of vinyl that's just artwork. It's just like a cool, neat thing to have in your collection. Absolutely, so yeah. It really, yeah. it really frees up bands to just do whatever the hell we want now. So, mm -hmm. You know, Purple was a really concise, cool, short rock album. Yellow and Green was a double album. So we said, hey, let's do something. Let's just include the weird stuff we want to include, but maybe not as long as a double album. I see. Yeah. And the use of those vignettes or interludes or whatever you call it, it's not something new to you, but this time around you took it to a different level. How is this approach? Yeah. It seems like for every long track, there's a shorter one, the shorter counterpart, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of my, one of my favorite things about what we did with the, the segue pieces is that they're actually kind of longer than a segue should be. Yeah. Which I, which I really like because I think there's a, there's a weird sort of attitude that people have when 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 a segue track is maybe a minute long that you don't really take it that seriously. Mm. Right? Yeah. But once it passes maybe two minutes, suddenly it's like, oh, this actually exists on an, on its own. Yeah. It has a purpose on its own. And I think and I think it's cool and I think it's also there's a little bit also of a sort of like messing with the, the audience where like you 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 imagine, oh this is like you said, this this yeah. this is a little vignette. But then it goes on for another two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from I'm Already Gone in Seasons, which we mentioned before, I love the hi-hat work on Tourniquet. And the other cool thing is that there's almost a, fa a fake ending in this song, right? Yes. Yeah. I love well, that effect. Tourniquet yeah. has, like, basically, that one started with a beat that I wrote where the, the bass drum happens every fifth, sixteenth note. Okay. Right? right? And that's why those, those accents come in a weird spot. Now, if you take those accents and you fade out the kick sorry, the snare and the hi-hat, you have another completely different BPM. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, it's like a polyrhythm. So that, that's why the, the ending of that song is we're doing all those hits that happen in the song. They're already there. We just fade out the backbeat and suddenly becomes a completely different tempo. Oh, okay. That's like a cool in, effect. In your mind. The, the tempo actually has never changed. Uh, oh, I see. In, in your mind, it sounds like a different tempo. Okay, very cool. Speaking of that yeah. one, uh, yeah, Tourniquet, it's probably the best example of how great the vocal harmonies between John and Gina are on this album. Uh, I can't imagine the surprise in your ears when you discovered how well these, these two voices work together. Yeah, it's, it's, they, it, 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 they sound beautiful together, and what I think is especially cool is that it's not the traditional you know, roles where John has the lower voice and Gina always sings the, the higher voice. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't do that. Sometimes they switch it, and it really makes it really unique sounding and really kind of like some. Honestly, sometimes it sounds like some weird mystical cult yeah. or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's very cool. It's very, it's very sort of, sort of like surreal. I like yeah. it. Yeah. On uh, Anchor's Lament, I felt that. I felt like it's. Is this a cult yeah. or some some sort of spooky right. kind of thing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And even 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 the way the album opens with that with that little vocal thing for uh, uh, Front Towards Enemy, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I'll touch on a, on a sensitive topic now, if I may. Uh, there are many moments on the album where a lot of distortion is used or compression. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's not really new to Baroness, of course, but on Golden Grades, like you took it to extremes. Uh, yeah. Don't you think it like takes away the enjoyment of certain songs here and there, or? Well, I mean, I think um, it was, you know, a choice that John and Dave Friedman really are. They really love it. Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's cool in like as, as a it works when you listen to the album as a whole. I think sometimes when you first listen to one of the tracks by itself, it can be a little bit sort of confusing. Yeah. But but the thing is, like, we really didn't want it to sound like just like a really slick, you know, metal sounding sort of album. And I think that's what a lot of Baroness fans, the music that the other music that they listen to are you know, bands that have very clear, precise production. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. so I think it's a little bit jarring for them. Yeah. But I think, I think it's, you know, I think it, I think people have to sort of calmed down about complaining about it. I think people are understanding that it was, that it was a, a, an intentional decision, you know. Yeah. It was, it was not, it was not a mastering mistake. It was a artistic creative decision in the studio. Yeah, it, it's definitely a statement, man. And uh, one of my yeah. friends, he commented, for example, throw me an anchor. You're going to town on the on the outro, almost like new period on Tom Sawyer kind of thing, but it's so yeah. distorted that we miss the details, like the hi-hats and everything that you do. I doing. know, <laughs> I know, I know. I know, it's like, yeah, I know, I wish, yeah, I mean, as a drummer, of course, I wish that was a little more clear. Yeah. But the point is that it's like, I, the point is that it's, it's not really meant to just be a, 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 a documentation of a, of a performance. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be, a, 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 you know, a whole artistic piece. And it's not sometimes, it's not always about clarity, you know. I see, I see. And on the last song, Pale Sun, I don't know, I felt a, a bit of a police vibe. Maybe I'm hearing things, no, I don't know. Really? Yeah, yeah. But, interesting, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. I, it sounds like one of those instrumentals that could be on the early Police albums, you know, Zenyatta or, yeah, or those before, yeah. Yeah, the, the albums always end with some weird instrumental song. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I guess 99% uh, of the lyrics come from John. Do you feel there will be room for you to contribute with lyrics if, if you wanted to, or if you brought something to the table, or not really? Uh, you know, honestly, I think like so that the band I played in before was called Trans Am, mm -hmm. and I and I, I did write some lyrics for that. But I think that when you have somebody in the band who's already so dedicated to that, so into it, and so good at it, that you know, it kind of it frees me up to just worry about drums, which is kind of nice. I see. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because like 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 in Trans Am, sometimes the other guys, you know, wouldn't write lyrics for something and then and then I would you know mm -hmm. but that's, that's not the case here that's not the case John will always write lyrics so. I see so it's, it's, it's it is it is liberating for me I see and I know of bands where the writers have to bring a song almost fully done or the idea almost fully completed uh, or or else it's not used is that the case with Baroness I mean how do you guys work do you throw ideas no, out of no, each other or? Mm. no people definitely uh People bring in uh, the, the, dem the demos we bring in are usually just our own instruments most of the time. Okay. And we leave everything and we leave everything up to, to everybody else. I mean, so as a, a lot of the, the full band stuff will start with me sending drum loops that I record at home to John, and then he'll pick the ones he likes. And like for example, like in each in each 
idea, I'll give him like four variations of the groove and like two fills. Okay. And it's all it's all to a click track, and he can sort of build up the track how he wants. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of and course. Then, and then he can start writing to it, and but then you know Nick will he will send us either a guitar or bass or or uh, synth parts, you know, and Gina does the same. It there's very rarely is it a complete song. I don't think that's I'm trying to think if that happened at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pretty much like, I mean, once or twice things start from a jam where we're all jamming together. Like Pale Sun started like that. That's okay. definitely the product of a jam. Uh, but usually somebody has, we usually need like some sort of kernel of an idea, you know, mm-hmm. some seed some to start from and then, and then we go from there. Okay, I see. And from the fans' reaction and the buzz this album generated, I feel like you've never been bigger than now. Do you feel that way? Is that one of your goals as a band to grow more and more, or do you want to stay in the alternative we want, circle? We definitely, or? Want to, we definitely want to grow as long as, long as you can still make the music you want to make and grow. Why yeah. not? I mean, yeah. the, the only time growth is a bad thing is if you're making sacrifices, artistic sacrifices. Yeah. Which we're we're not. In fact, I think we're making even weirder music now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Absolutely. That, that's a win-win for me. But but I think. Um, yeah, I mean, the last tour we did was a co-headline with Death Heaven, which was a super fun, amazing tour. Yeah. And that tour we hit, like, the, the, the big cities in the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. And this tour, we're doing the cities that we didn't hit on the last tour. So, like, for example, we're in Omaha tonight, you know, which is not as big as other cities in America. So it's it's hard to gauge mm-hmm. if we're, quote, bigger. I see. The cities are smaller. But every night's been super fun, super awesome, and, and packed with I see. And you got nominated for a Grammy for the song Shock Me. We were just talking about popularity and fame. Did you guys yeah, a, a, yeah. did you guys attend the ceremony and what was that like for you guys? We definitely did attend the ceremony uh, and we we I mean we never ever first we never thought we'd be nominated. I never even I never even daydreamed about that as a kid. I never thought about that ever. Right. You know. And then uh and then we never thought we were going right? So we were like, okay, this is going to be fun. We're going to buy some nice suits and we're going to go to LA. <laughs> we're going to party for a weekend and see some friends and have like a really weird experience. Right. So that was the attitude we had. And then we went to the, the ceremony, which is the metal sectors during the day. It's like a matinee. Okay. And it's, it's in this big auditorium and there's all these, all these awards happening and there's like a house band and this and that. And as we start getting closer and closer to our category, we turned to ourselves and we're like, wait a minute, guys, what if we do win? <laughs> like, we've never actually, we've never talked about it. <laughs> we've never actually said, well, what do we do if we win? Like, does anybody have a speech? Like, what? We never, never mentioned it. I see. So suddenly it's like getting closer. We're like, fuck, like, what? What if we win? This is, oh my God. And then, and then, like, as it gets closer and closer, suddenly we're like, Guys, we might win. We might win. You, know? <laughs> you, you, you get this sort of like weird mania, and then, and then when they announced Megadeth, I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and, oh man. And the funny thing is, like, literally twenty minutes before, I had no hope or even desire of winning. I didn't care at all. I see. But suddenly, when they announced Megadeth, I was like, "God damn it!" And then, <laughs> uh, so Corn was Corn was also a nominee, and they immediately got up and walked out of the auditorium. <laughs> to the stage to collect their award the 
house band played Master of Puppets. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, Jesus. We still don't know if that was an accident or if that was intentional. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my God. I remember the occasion. I completely forgot it was that year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they started playing Master of Puppets. We looked at each other and we're like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are these guys doing? Yeah. Um, oh well. Going back to Golden Grey, uh, you did videos for all songs on the album, and the whole thing is on YouTube now. Is this a profitable way to release music these days? I mean, with the YouTube views and whatnot, or not really? Oh, uh, I mean, so I mean, the, the videos we did, we did are not. They're not. Not all of them are like video, video, video. Yeah, just a song and, and a background. Yeah. Just some images. Just some images. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, we did that so so that people can actually hear the actual version. Mm-hmm. You're not somebody who downloads a file and then like converts and then uploads it. And what you know, you know, it gets all sounds crazy and weird, and whatever. So yeah, yeah. So people, I mean, I, I definitely when people are like, hey, check out this band, the first thing I do is I go to YouTube. You know, yeah. I think that's I think that's pretty normal nowadays. Yeah, and we we do eventually want to make actual videos. I think we've done maybe three now. Yeah, I think three. But I yeah. think we, yeah, I think we want to do some more. And another cool thing that we're doing is that we are multi-track recording a lot of the shows, and we are filming a lot of the shows with multiple camera angles. So then we can, when we get home, we can edit some of that and you know upload some of the live stuff because people always upload uh, you know iPhone footage, which is great. Yeah, because we can you know. See how we played them, <laughs> but you know it's it's an iPhone, right? So it never sounds or looks like. Yeah, quality-wise, it's so, not great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is this is like a fun thing to do, and you know it, it's it's a chance for people that don't make it to the shows and, and don't know us. A chance for them to see what it's like live, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not coming to Toronto this time, where I'm located, so I'll take advantage oh, of those, those videos. <laughs> That's okay. Well, well, you know, we we haven't really. I mean. The Death Heaven tour was before the album came out. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So we, so we will do. We will definitely do another like, quote like major markets tour next year for Golden Grey. I see. We'll, we'll definitely be up there. Yeah. I was going to ask you because uh, you ha- you're doing a few dates in the U.S. like you just said. Then Europe until mid-November. So that's the plan yeah. for 2020 then. That is the plan for 2020. Okay, very cool. And, well, are you able to pick a favorite song from Golden Grey already, or not really? <laughs> no, let's see. I don't have a favorite, but one that we haven't played yet on stage is Front Towards Enemy, so that is a cool one to listen to. Oh, very cool. I was asking because we are reaching the end, and we want to close the interview with a Baroness song picked by you. So thank you so much, man. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do Front Towards Enemy. For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Sebastian, and I wish you a great tour ahead. Oh, All right. pleasure. Thank you so much. For our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to this interview, and please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. We're going to finish now with the song Front Towards Enemy from Golden Grey, the latest Baroness album. Take care and stay metal. Oh.